I have no idea. And it's happening. <laughs> okay. So once upon a time in Hollywood, my first question to you, Jake, um, did you see this in a, you, you saw this in a theater? Did you see it with friends? Did you see it alone? What was your theater experience like when you saw this? <laughs> so Seth, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> my experience for this was I saw it with uh, Alex Weinstein and his wife, Leah. And okay. Dave, I don't think Dave came. But so I saw it in a theater. It was uh, the Thursday night premiere. So it was a good audience. Um, it was good. It was good. Nice theater. They had like the nice reclining seats. Um, a beers. You know, I didn't. I didn't gauge, but usually I didn't. I didn't gauge, but I'm. For first time, did you get? Were there, were there a lot of reactions throughout the movie? Um. Yeah, yeah, there were. So in the first few, like the you know, like the action vignettes at the beginning when it's like Rick Dalton's career, like um. By the way, spoiler alerts, people. Um, so we're going full spoilers on this, okay? Yeah. But this is Jake and Seth here, <laughs> coming to you from coast to coast. Get ready. I love to anyone sorry enough to listen to this podcast, but yeah. If you're between if you're if you're between the east and west coast, you're getting sandwiched right now by two movie geniuses. <laughs> um, so, uh, do you, did you feel like your crowd was enjoying the movie? And then, do you feel like your group of friends that you went with, what was their reaction after? The movie? Like, was it overall positive? So the crowd was enjoying the movie, um, but not to like, not like seeing.
I saw the QuickTime recording going, so don't worry.
All right. Well, okay. Before we jump into your criticisms, I have a question. Although that might be part of your criticisms. Um, and by the way, I have a couple of criticisms, but I thought there was one that is the most common and that everybody kind of shares with this movie. Wait, but before we go, I, I can, I think I already know what it is, but before we, I do want to dive in, I've got a lot more movie balls and like all your things, but, um, okay. how would you define this movie? Cause for me, that was the hardest thing. Like in terms, and I'll give you like where I was coming from in terms of expectations, but I was just curious, like how you would define this movie, like out coming out of it as a, as a genre. Like, yeah, action, thriller, comedy, like... I actually think it's a postmodern western. Okay. I, um... And, I, and to add to that, I think the first postmodern western was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay. By the way, I love talking to you, because, like, that, like, I never would have gotten there, but, like, I, I, my, I was, like, in my head, I'm like, buddy cop movie! <laughs> so... Uh, so thank you so um so going into the movie i didn't know what to expect like i i didn't know if it was going to be like an action thriller but yeah. i didn't ex- i didn't think it'd be action thriller but i didn't know like would it be pulp fiction like i didn't know how much of the manson family we were going to see how many of their crimes like I think initially Especially with some of the early Sharon Tate scenes, I feel like thriller, you know, almost Hitchcockian horror a little bit at times. The Spawn Ranch scene too has a little of that going on. That yeah. Um, go so go coming out of it though, I would describe it. I I wouldn't say those words because they're not mine, and that would be obvious. But like uh, my kind of thought was that like I I kept going back to western, not like not that western, but I kept thinking of like more the cop buddy action thing, and then yeah. a lot. I spent a night like thinking about it and I was like kept coming back to it. I was like I thought it was almost like a platonic love story too. Like well, I, well, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of things. It was a lot of things. I, you, you can't just I would not challenge you on just simply calling it a buddy cop film, even though they're not cops. Yeah. It is, the relationship between Brad and Leo in this movie is just such a good hang and it's like so few movies get the chemistry between two you know, I remember forty eight hours, I think. Yeah. Um Murphy and Nolte, Butch Cassidy, which I just mentioned, Newman and Redford, when you have the right chemistry between two leads, there's nothing more fun than hanging out with those two guys in the movie. It's, like, it's so enjoyable. That's, uh, that's amazing. That one of the, the fact that Tarantino was able to get that to happen in the movie, in the scene, it's a hard thing to pull off, and not a lot of movies do it. And just uh, just pulling off that chemistry, I think, is, you know, that was a great one. Yeah, no, they, um... And that was something I think that lacked from some of his recent movies, especially Hateful Eight for me. Like, so it was great. I love seeing that in the yeah, film. I mean, it's honestly, I don't think it's been. I don't think I remember that kind of a hang with two guys in the movie since Jules and Vincent in Pulp Fiction. You know, when you're with Travolta and Sam Jackson. Oh yeah. Like, all you want to do is hang out in that car and listen to them talk about fast food and whatever. It's just like foot massages. You know, <laughs> it was fun dialogue just hanging out with this guy. And I like, I do think he kind of he found that again. I think with these two guys. Uh, yeah. Now let's get to your dislikes. I want to hear the critiques. I, give me, give me your unvarnished <laughs> okay, opinion. So the, the, the structure of this movie um, is not perfect, in my opinion. And uh, honestly, it, the, the actual plot of the movie may not start until about two thirds into the movie, and so you have to be comfortable with that first two thirds of the meanderingness and just feeling out of Hollywood. And so I, on my, I've only seen.
that's exactly like we spent so much time with her. I just like, like the sense of dread kept building with me, knowing Tarantino. And then in the last twenty minutes, when I guess we'll we'll get into it, fine, but when the finale comes and you realize what's happening, like I kind of had this like a, I let out a sigh of relief when I realized that she was gonna make it, and it let me enjoy the finale a lot more. Like it had a weird effect on me that I think I I was so happy that I knew she was gonna be okay where I enjoyed the finale. Uh, but like in my, like I feel the exact same way when I thought about it, and I meant to see the movie again and I didn't, um, but I, I will see it again soon. Like in my head, I just like I would describe her as like an addendum. Like she was like just like. Even when it was going on, like, we never got enough, like, he gave me enough for me to be interested, but we had such shallow interactions with her. Like, we, like, I, I felt like it was almost like, and again, it's a lot of, yeah, you'd, like, a there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, you, like, uh, this is a real life person, a victim of a horrible crime, and like, do you, I you know, you can tell he's trying to be careful with her, and he's, he's, he's kind of treating her with kids' gloves a little bit, but it's like, um, I think there is something too because a lot of the scenes where she's in the movie theater they intercut them with some Alito scenes and I do think there's this sort of um, juxtaposition of a young actress coming into Hollywood and this older actor who's kind of starting to fizzle out of Hollywood and I think he's setting up some of that but I agree it's like those scenes you can't especially at first viewing you cannot help but think about what is going to happen at the end of this movie what's going to happen to Sharon Tate I know that Sharon Tate was brutally murdered in real life and those are the things that are going on in your head when you watch this so yeah I'm curious on a rewatch knowing the ending I, th- I mean those just those, those scenes to me just don't seem important anymore especially at the end of a movie when it's two hours and 40 minutes and I agreed with you by the end I was like that was not a two hour 40 minute movie like I like by the end of it and like it just again in hindsight it's like it makes it even more egregious like oh they're kind of fluff scenes and then it's like not only are they fluff scenes, they're fluff scenes in a really long movie. Yeah, it's, 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 and I wanted to say, you know, when someone like Tarantino makes a movie, I want him to make his masterpiece as long, you know, make whatever he needs to make.
hear, hear what they are. Um, the first one, what did you think of the Bruce Lee scene? I really liked it. I, I thought it was amazing. And then I went online and I read a million critiques and Bruce Lee fans that were upset and stuff, but allow me to say this about this Bruce Lee scene. And we know that Tarantino has constantly been obsessed with crossing genres, whether it's samurai or black exploitation or what have you, but the way he uses Bruce Lee in this movie and the way he sets it up with uh, with um, Brad Pitt being this Western Hollywood stuntman and Bruce Lee is from the East and then they meet on the Hollywood stunt lot and, you know, it's on.
he's a bad he's a bad dude. He's and he like, but they he makes him somewhat sympathetic. He can't get a job. He's kind of pathetic, and like he's got the dog, which always gives a little audience. Of, uh, he's much you know. more sympathetic than Leo's character. I mean, you don't feel bad for Leo at all. You're just kind of like this guy's just you know kind of lost himself. But like, I don't feel bad for Leo. He's got plenty of money. He's got a nice house. Living in Hollywood. <laughs> he's, he's got it all going. Yeah, uh, Brad Pitt. I liked him in this a lot. He was like, he did it. I think Leo I won it for me, but like... I will say, I thought the way Tarantino did and Leo was also another difficult thing because it definitely has more of the movie star role, but the technical acting... On the, on the movie set, they shoot in the Western. He has the breakdown.
in that world, at least you made the movie about somebody in that world. It wasn't just like, you know, indulgence for the sake of indulgence, I guess. Yeah. Tarantino
the finale for me is when the movie just like it was the cherry on top. Like it was, yeah. The movie ha- I I consider the movie like also I think I said like a platonic romance, but it was like a platonic rom com. Like I think there's tons of comedy, and the it was really violent. But like Tarantino films always are. But like the end gave me enough action or conflict to be like okay, like it it no, scratched it, that itch. It, it was a very um, you know I I've seen all these Tarantino movies so much I could feel what was happening coming. You could feel the violence coming. You know he's leading to this violence um the curveball obviously was it was pit getting stoned on the ass <laughs> with a cigarette beforehand and so that was the part where i was like i was kind of as i was watching i was like i know what he's doing i know what the
it is a, it's a total tragedy in Hollywood, but it's, uh, yeah, I haven't totally come to, you know, it, it was the same, when the Glorious Bastards came out, it was the sort of same take, I feel like, where people were like, this is a, a happy revenge. And when you see Hitler and these Nazis murdered in the movie theater, you should have this feeling of catharsis and be happy that, you know, this is the way we really wanted it to happen. It's like, okay, you can say that, but that's not what happened. And then it's like, yeah, yeah I don't know. It, it's hard for me to come to groups with things. I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean, and I think it's also like it might be just like I'm, I'm probably overthinking it, but like in Kill Bill, when she chops up a room of people, I remember as a kid, as a teenager, and a young man, and probably until a few years ago, was like, "That's amazing." Right. Now I'm like, I'm like 34. I'm like, okay, like like you said, like killing Hitler, like okay, there were still millions of Nazis, like in the world, like, it's the idea that, like, it's just, like, oh, peace, and, like, and even Django, like, okay, he killed all those people, he's got to make it through, like, 200 miles of slave owners to get out of it. the end of the 60s it's like it just doesn't do it for me and I think the themes and the places he goes in Pulp Fiction are so much more deeper and interesting and any rewatch of that movie I think still holds up it's still an amazing kind of so you know it's not like you're not going to be 10 out of 10 every time I don't expect them to be but I, for, for me this movie is his third best where does that fall for you? For, so I actually rank it a little lower my favorite movies are I Count Kill Bill as two are you cool with that? I apologize. I actually apologize. I meant to say I counted as ones. I misspoke. Okay, so yeah, I counted I as one. one um, 
So for me, it goes, I'm not sure exactly what order, but I think it goes Kill Bill, Inglorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction, but maybe flip Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards. I really like Inglorious Bastards. Um, for all the critiques we just said, despite it, the first time we saw that movie was the first time he did it. So I think it gave it like. Um, so I would add, I would say it's Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Saved him. Um, 
So I'm still formulating my thoughts on the Joker, but I I would actually love to hear your your your. See, this was a tough. It was. Get, get to the grit. I don't have many positives. Get to the critiques. I, I feel like we'll have more to talk about there. So, overall, my overall critique would be it's just an unpleasant movie, kind of. Yeah. It's not a lot of, and I feel like with a lot of other Jokers, including Nicholson and even Heath Ledger, there's a lot of dark comedy, and the dark comedy can really help alleviate just the unpleasantness of being around a psychopath. And um, I felt like they missed some. Uh, not to say there's no dark comedy in this movie, because I mean, I remember at the end uh, when he's on the couch, he has some line where like, well, they couldn't carry a tune, so I was like, there's a couple lines in there that's kind of funny. 
He on the couch. He was funny. Like that was a yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a better yeah example of like the kind of zingers and just one liners. I feel like a, anyone playing the Joker should have mm-hmm. but I just I felt like for so much of the movie, it's you're just sort of like oh man, I gotta get through this scene. Now it's like it's so grating at times. Um, it, it's just a tough watch, I guess. And that you can say the same thing about Taxi Driver. I will say personally, I think Taxi Driver is. Amazing, you know, landmark of cinema, and I, I don't think this movie quite does what that movie does. But um, Taxi Driver is a tough, a tough watch if I was going to critique it. So I think that same kind of thing's going on. Did you get that feeling too? I got the exact same feeling. So going in, um, while I knew, while I knew it wouldn't connect or didn't think it would connect to other movies, I had no idea what to expect in terms of tone. Some guy in my office had seen it. And when I asked him, all the, all the only feedback he gave me was like, he's like, it was dark, which I kind of had expected. Um, but the description of the Joker he gave me was like not the one I, at least not, he said it was a mixture of Heath Ledger's Joker and the like Mark Hamill Joker from the animated series. And that is not what I saw at all. Like that is not what came off. So, and not that I don't think that's why I wasn't going in like, Oh, like I didn't have a clear picture in mind. Uh, but for me, like I just keep describing, it's like an, it kind of came off as like an, this might be a little hard of a critique, but when I keep trying to boil it down to is like it came off as an ugly little movie. Like it was and and like that's really hard, but like in the first 20 minutes, I under like you talked about like a lot of like the styles and like things that they were pulling from in terms of like movies, like um yeah. and which was interesting because coming from a more of like a comic book fan standpoint and a comic book movie yeah, fan, they were like they were what they were borrowing on, like and what they were pulling from, not only was it not, like, new, like, it's been done before, and I think by better people. So, like, um, the taxi driver reference I didn't pick up on, that's definitely to, or at least, like, draw from. Um, another one is in the Watchmen movies, which I'm, I don't know if you've seen the Watchmen movie. Oh, yeah. Have you yes. read the... You have, I've read Watchmen, too, so... So, R- Rorschach, to me, like, yes. Rorschach was a son of a prostitute who was uh, abusive, who put him around abusive people. He The society failed him, and so he broke, right. and obviously he took a different path, but not really, because they kind of play up Joker to be an anti-hero. So it's like, for me, it was just... And there's not only that. Um, I pulled. I had other notes, and they're not in front of me now. But like, there are a couple things. It was really hard to watch, and I thought it would be. And like to your point, like I get that he's a tragic character, and I understand that you need to set some time to like establish that. But like they do that in the first twenty minutes, and then they just don't stop. They just keep pounding that drum. And it made it really hard for me to enjoy. Um, and, uh, I, so, uh, yeah, my, the thing I thought, the worst choice that was made in this movie was this thing about the pseudo-girlfriend from the apartment down the hall or whatever. Yeah. Because, so he sort of, he goes to the stand-up, he bombs. Then after this bombing scene, you're, the movie sort of tries to hoodwink you into believing this woman is still kind of hanging out with them and maybe has feelings for him and is feeling bad for him or something. And then you get to a point where he, he kind of wanders into her apartment and then she's like, what are you doing in here? Like, I don't know you. And you realize that this has all been a fantasy in his head and that he doesn't really have his girlfriend. And this kind of thing, like, would have worked if you sold me or you made it a little more obvious. But it's like, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, 
this is a solo man who would never have a girlfriend, and there's no way that he would bomb his stand-up set, and then this girl would keep it. You know, it's just, there's so much, there's all this stuff that makes zero sense about it, and then three scenes later, you're like, they try to surprise you with it. Fortunately, I thought that was the most egregious error that was made, and that once you get past that, you can kind of just go back to the movie, but... That whole thing, I thought, was just a miss by the director. What did you think? I agree. I agree entirely. Um,
surround my army, Gotham is burning, and then he's there. Like, just storytelling standpoint, how do you get there? Like, you owe it to me. Like, how did... So this is where I, you know, I'm not as versed in the comics as you are, but I assume that most Joker sort of origin stories involve, and now I know something about the killing joke, but I feel like most of them involve him doing something horrible and then going into Arkham Asylum and then having that interaction with Harlequin. Is that not... He's a character, uh, my understanding, he's had a lot of, like, he doesn't actually have one, uh, one specific origin story, like, the, there's been the, one was that he actually shot Bruce's parents, one was that he, like, ordered that was the, like the Tim Burton. that was the Tim Burton one, but I think that found its way into his comics, he's, he, he, like, they kind of went, the Heath Ledger thing, I think, is the most accurate one, where, like, there's a level of, oh, gee, oh, wait, I could be wrong, they keep changing it. He was part of the Red Hood gang. One of the the famous ones, or one of the more popular ones, it might be the actual one, was he was part of the Red Hood gang. Um, He was a small-time gangster, worked his way up, and then he, like, ran afoul of someone, and they did something. Yeah, so, I mean, I hear what you're saying, though. Yeah, there's no real finality to it. But but I guess my take on that ending was that... that was supposed to kind of lead into the Harlequin storyline in Arkham or something like that. There's no sequel, though. I well, I mean, hey, not yet. Uh, that's uh, that's true. Um, so, by the way, I, I had to look it up because, like, you you were mentioning about like how and speaking about how he was like kind of evoking the like, the style of Taxi Driver, and well, I don't know if I yeah, I'm still conflicted on it, I guess, but I just. Taxi Driver is a much better movie. I haven't seen a lot of people attempt something like that. I'm trying to think of another movie where, like, uh, I would consider it like kind of this loner. Um, do you remember what what was that Aronofsky movie about the mathematician? Pi, Pi, yeah. Yes. I, I would say that's actually a good, and it's also he's losing his mind. That's actually probably yes, a pretty good comparison. It's kind of in the same genre. Um, I just think Taxi Driver is so much more socially relevant and aware, whereas this one's sort of trying to be socially relevant. I think there's a difference between, like, sort of telling society what's happening, which is sort of what Taxi Driver opened people's eyes as to what was going on in New York at that time. And I think this movie is sort of being, it's just, yeah, it's more evocative than sort of journalism, gonzo journalism kind of. It's just sort of like, this was the 70s, and this was intense and gritty, but it's like, you can't, you can't be saying anything about that period. You know, and I get that people are trying to say, well, he's saying something about now and, uh, you know, Trump economics and the divide of people and stuff, I guess. And the amount of mental illness.
I mean, is they're not showing us stuff we don't know about. They're to- they're telling us stuff we know about, and it's just kind of like shame. It, I feel like it's like rubbing our nose in it, and it's not. And like with the rubbing the nose in it, it's not giving me anything I would want out of a movie. <laughs> like the story is like the the, the story. It's not of him becoming free. Like if if that's what it's supposed to be, it's like. Is he? No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, is he happy? Is he like what? What? And my problem with the movie was, we never the trans the Joker we got for that brief time when he's actually and for me it's only when he's on the show when he's on the show to when he to the end like that's the Joker that I've been waiting for. I think it took too long to get there. I think they could have cut out twenty minutes. They could have cut out the entire Thomas Wayne thing. They could have cut out. Well, Cut out twenty minutes. Get to get to the get to him on the thing earlier, like and or just spend more time with that Joker. Like it took the movie's called Joker, and we spent ninety percent of the time with Arthur Fleck, and like we deserve more time with the Joker. And and my problem is that like. And so where the reason I've kept the reason I brought up Taxi Driver earlier was the stuff he's done and the stuff this movie did was like none of it really felt new or fresh. Like he took maybe he like blended some new things in a new way, like Taxi Driver and the seventies feel with like I don't know. But it's like we no, we haven't seen this Heath Joker per se, but it's like this isn't a Heath Joker this isn't a Joker I want to see again. Either though, like so that, that was another question I wanted to ask you. If Heath Ledger had done this movie, better, worse, the same? What do you think?
we give us ten minutes with Zazie Bates and, and we can get you a bad plot line, but <laughs> like So like anything upcoming? Um I do actually. What's the movie about? Is it like for my birthday. Some I'm Avengers the movie? 10. When's your birthday? On the tenth. No wait, mine's the eleventh. Do you believe that? How old are you turning, Brooklyn? <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're about to end here. We're just gonna try to finish. <laughs> um, I don't know. So what do you? You don't know what you're most looking forward to? I will say, um, I am looking forward to this Irishman movie by Scorsese. I'm interested in the de aging stuff. Do you have a cat, Jake? I do not have a cat. No cat, bro. Why? <laughs> I like dogs. But other people do have there. No, no, no one's here right now. It's just me. Are you looking forward to the Sopranos movie or the Breaking Bad movie? More so the Sopranos movie. I, I've got pro Breaking Bad. I'm a little nervous they're even touching that. So I, oh, I, I'm I'm not like not mad, but I'm just very it is, nervous. Vince Gilligan's doing it though, isn't he? Yeah, I'm just to me it ended so well. Like it literally left me wanting nothing more, and I thought it was such a good show. Like.